It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This morning, a Russian drone strike on a port in southern Ukraine damaged vital facilities used to export grain. And Ukraine says more than 10 Russian drones targeted Kyiv. Now, this comes the day after drones struck a skyscraper in Moscow for the second time in 48 hours. So now the hits are coming inside Russia, and Ukraine isn't denying or confirming, but these are drone strikes. It's supposed to rattle the people and let them know what's really going on in the war. Will it be successful? Joining me now in studio, Mikhail Zeiger, the Russian journalist and author of a new book, War and Punishment, Putin, Zelensky, and the Path to Russia's Invasion of Ukraine. Mikhail, welcome. Welcome back, I should say. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Congratulations on the book. Why did you leave Russia? Oh, I couldn't say after the beginning war of, starts, of the war. starts, you're out. Yeah, yeah, I, I left on the third day and, you know, first it was some kind of moral obligation to fight, to start fighting against it. I couldn't uh, fight against the war uh, while staying in Russia as a writer, as a journalist, because, you know, military censorship was introduced in Russia on the third day of the war. So I, most of journalists had to leave. What would happen to you if you stood there and wrote the re real situation? If I, if I just called this war a war, uh, I would face um, five or from five to seven years in jail. What do they call it? Mm, special military operation. And here's the reason why they're fighting. Listen to Vladimir Putin. We are fighting with Nazis. The nationalist detachments, which include foreign fighters, including from the Middle East, use peaceful citizens as a human shield. So we're fighting Nazis, you mean human citizens as a human shield. Well, when you bomb schools, you might have human uh, beings in them. Yeah, you, you know, that's the rhetorics he was using right in, uh, in the beginning. Actually, by now, uh, propaganda has become much more cynical. They, they, are none, they are not even denying that this war is brutal aggression. They just um, explain that uh, there should not uh, shouldn't be any monopoly for violence. They, they usually say that, okay, if, if the United States could invade Iraq... We should have the right to invade Ukraine. That's that's the the way how Putin thinks. So why do you think that if he knew how this would come out, he still would have done it? No, he didn't know. Obviously, he, he thought he'd have a quick win. Yes, absolutely. He was sure that in three days, uh, uh, Kiev would surrender and uh, uh, Ukrainians would greet Russian soldiers with flowers. But he was obviously misled by uh, by his uh, people. By but Zelensky was weak. Yeah, he was quite sure that Zelensky was weak. He was absolutely sure that all the Europe, all the global leaders are weaker than than he was because he thinks that he is the only capable uh, global leader. So he has Nord Stream 2 done. Joe Biden signs off on it. He has Nord Stream 1. It would have been permanently giving them... Uh, we're permanently giving them control of the, the energy system so all Europe. Trump couldn't get through to them. Um, oh, if you're looking for the sound, right there on the, on the corner. Yeah. So... So this is done. Didn't he know that he was jeopardizing Western trade in doing this, that this would be ultimately there would be some type of response? And now there's no Nord Stream 1 and no Nord Stream 2. That's not a big deal to him? You know, it's not a big deal because uh, in the beginning he was uh, he was sure that the West cannot do without Russian oil, oil and gas. And... And he seems to be to be right because uh, uh, even uh, until now, Russia manages to export its uh, natural resources uh, now via third parties, uh, and European are Europeans are still buying Russian oil and gas, uh, not directly, 
uh, why Turkey like, what, what or countries? Kazakhstan? Like European Union. It's it's not it's not uh, di- uh, it doesn't go directly from Russia, but actually uh, out of all uh, five gas pipelines that existed and w- uh, were working before the war, uh, the main pipeline uh, that goes through Ukraine is still functioning, and actually Poland is um, is buying that uh, that natural gas. I had no idea about that. Well, what pipeline would that be? Uh, that's. Um, the pipeline that that goes oh, from whatever the name is for, uh, from Russia to Ukraine and then to Poland. That's incredible. Uh, so right now with this counterinsurgency happening, uh, what do you, what's the feeling in Russia as drones begin to hit major cities? You know that's interesting because for many months uh, most Moscovites were trying to uh, to pretend that nothing was happening. That that's the way how how people try to um, to escape that uh, reality. They. Just they try to pretend that business is usually still possible. Nothing is happening. War is very far, and they a lot of people are feeling helpless. I, I don't I don't believe that majority of Russians support this war. They just uh, think that they can do anything about that, and they don't see that war. But now they see it. Now they see it. Yeah. What about the Crimea Bridge hit twice? Yeah, Crimea Bridge is uh, is very far. I'm really surprised that a lot of Russians are still uh, going for their summer vacations in Crimea now uh, through occupied territories of Ukraine. Uh, so now we understand that Russia needs soldiers. So here is um, um, here's some of the problem. Here's a well, for example, who is this uh, talking right now, Eric? It says, okay, never mind. Um, so right now they need soldiers. What are they doing? Because so many people have left rather than serve. Yes, but you know, um, there are several very depressive regions of Russia. Uh, and they and they are um, looking for volunteers uh, in those depressive, distant re- regions in Siberia, for example. And they are paying a lot. And they managed to create the system when uh, they are paying like 20 times as much as the average salary in a region and pe- people are volunteering they they are ready to die uh in exchange for a big sum of money uh, paid to their families so now it is the nato has been unified it's been expanded finland mm-hmm. and sweden yeah what, what do you think really um what do you what do you think they norway and Sweden, uh norway and uh, finland sweden and finland. sweden and finland so what do you think that vladimir putin thinks about this uh, you know, I think that uh, his um, so-called obsession with NATO is a big lie. He's not. He's not frightened of NATO. That's that's his internal propaganda. He he uses that um, myth of Russia as a besieged fortress and uh, myth of uh, the eternal fight bec- uh, between Russia and NATO uh, just to to remain in power. That's the only way how he, he can persuade um, a big part of the population that uh, he's the only guarantor of the, of the peace, of the stability, and so on. So some people who are against and trying to rationalize Russia's decision have said, well, we're the ones who broke our word. That when Gorbachev made a deal with Reagan and Bush, he said, listen, you could have Germany. Just I don't want to see NATO in any of these Eastern Eastern Bloc countries. I don't want to see them become NATO nations. Well, Clinton went ahead and said, Poland, you can do it. And all the Baltics are there. And we know about the nations of Hungary. They are, they are NATO nations. So did, is Putin, does Putin have a legitimate complaint? You know, um, when Putin has just become a president, he uh, openly proposed Russia to, to join NATO. 
and he asked uh, George W. Bush to, uh, to to greet them, to greet him. He want he wanted Russia to be, to be part of NATO. He he was discussing it with uh, that time NATO Secretary General uh, Lord Robertson uh, from Britain. So so he was not hostile against NATO from the beginning, and the the idea of Russia as a part of NATO didn't seem to be horrible for him. But he he wanted to be really respected. He wanted uh, to be important. He he wanted Russia to be a superpower, even inside NATO. And and he couldn't achieve that. He, he couldn't achieve that uh, level of personal um, importance in, uh, in the eyes of George W. Bush. And that uh, was the beginning of his paranoia. And then um, Orange Revolution started in Ukraine and he has become even more paranoid. He started thinking that, that Americans want to topple him. And he has he was becoming more and more paranoid all of the he includes all, all Hillary of those Clinton years. doing that. Um, yes, he he's got uh, his personal foot uh, against Hillary Clinton because uh, because of the huge protest rallies in Russia in 2011-2012, which were not organized by Hillary Clinton. Uh, she she could not <laughs> do that, but he thought that uh, it was State Department uh, who who organized it, and he, uh, he, he was not exactly right. <laughs> and by the way, my guest is Mikhail Zigar. Yeah. Zigar. He's a Russian journalist and author of a new book, War and Punishment. So he's bringing us inside Russia. So the, the revolution, the Green Revolution inside Ukraine, was it the Green? green? Orange, orange. Orange, 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 sorry. I know Senator McCain was there supporting them. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems that Ukraine wants to be West. They want to be part of the European Union. That's Obviously, true. even before the invasion, dying to be part of NATO. NATO was like, you're not ready yet. And plus, they thought that would be a problem for Russia because Russia always thought, I guess, to a degree that they should be closer to them. Ukraine has a different mindset than Vladimir Putin understands. Am I absolutely, correct? absolutely. Uh, and uh, in, my, in my book, I write a lot about the differences between Russians and Ukrainians, different history, different culture, different language, although Putin truly believes that uh, Russians and Ukrainians are the same people. And he has done a huge job alienating Ukrainians. Uh, he was pushing so hard in uh, uh, twenty um, in two thousand four uh, to install pro-Russian candidate Yanukovych as the new president, and that that was a terrible. That was worse than a mistake. He, they hated him. Yeah, absolutely. The Ukrainians hated him. Absolutely, absolutely. They kicked him out. Yes, absolutely. They had an election. He lost. He was gone. He goes into Russia, mm-hmm. and then Russia does what? Uh, Takes and, then, and then Russia occupied Crimea. Yeah, um, you know, Putin has a lot of prejudice against Ukrainians, uh, partially because of his uh, his background as a KGB officer, partially because of his uh, old time um, friends uh, who were children of very well known Soviet academicians, Soviet historians who were specializing on two things, uh, on the Cold War and uh, American cons- conspiracy against Russia, against Soviet Union. And the second one, uh, the father of his closest friend, Yuri Kovalchuk, uh, was specializing on history of Crimea. So Putin is one of the few people in, in Russia who believes that Crimea is the symbol of, of Russian statehood. That's very, that's very rare. Does he believe that Russian speakers want to be in Russia? Like, for example, the Russian speakers in Ukraine. Uh, in the Donbass region, in Odessa. Evidently, there's mm-hmm. some in Odessa. They speak Russian. Now they're going to go... Even in Kiev. Yeah. In Kiev. So the fact that they speak Russian, did he did he legitimately misinterpret their allegiance to Russia as opposed to their country? Yeah, he really doesn't understand that, that during the last 30 years, uh, 
a lot of new generations uh, uh, grew up in Ukraine and those people do not consider themselves to be Russian colony. They do not consider themselves to be part of Russia. They they are Ukrainians, even though they, they're speaking Russian or Ukrainian, they have absolutely different mentality. They want to be to be part of the Western world. They want to be part of the democratic world and they don't want to, to serve to Vladimir Putin. Last question for you. Uh, when we watch Prigozhin and Wagner get within a, a couple hundred miles of Moscow, Prigozhin gets a deal, gets a gets a base reportedly in Belarus. The Wagner Group reports there's some video out. What's happened to him since? What happens to the Wagner Group? How much is the war effort hurt by them not participating in it for Russia? Uh, I don't think that it would cause any real troubles for for Russian troops because yeah the the, the front line is is rather stable and Russian army can can do now without Prigozhin and without Wagner group but it's really it's really weird what what has happened to him and what why why he's not in Belarus for example because uh, according to my sources he spends a lot of time not in Belarus but in St Petersburg in his home hometown. he's alive he's alive and he's at home uh, in uh, president putin's hometown and um and he he's still trying to uh, trying to maintain his business. Because he didn't want to take, to overthrow Vladimir Putin, you're saying? Yeah, that's important. That's important because he personally remains loyal to President Putin. Just hates the generals around him. He hates the system, the, the, the bureaucracy, the army, but he's still Putin's man. How does this end? Uh, I hope, and I think according to, to many of my sources, another coup is possible. So uh, Putin's system is not that stable as it seemed to be uh, a year ago. How does the war end? Uh, only after he's gone, unfortunately. He will never stop. He will never will stop. Will he begin to lose? He, Medvedev says if he begins to lose, they're going to start thinking about nuclear weapons. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. He won't use it because uh, he had warning from the Chinese uh, who don't who don't want him to to start a, a nuclear war and won't let uh, him do that. But he does need the the truce. He does need the peace. He wants to continue the, uh, this war. If it, even if it's a stalemate, that's okay for for him. A frozen conflict is okay for him because he is the president of, of, of the war. The only way for him to um, to remain in power in Russia to hold the power is is to be the war uh, leader. And the Ukraine, the grain deal. Uh, he hates the grain deal. Yeah. He. So he's going to stop it. He's, he's going to stop it. Yeah. He's not going to feel pressure from Turkey and others. With starving people in Africa, he just met with all these African leaders. He's not going to feel pressure. He wants to be a respected global leader, as he, as he perceives it. He wants to to make uh, deals directly with Africans. He he wants to be, to be some kind of uh, the leader of the USSR, uh, who is who who can feel influential in Africa, in Asia, in in uh, um, in different regions of the world, not only in Ukraine. Why does he like Trump? Um. You know, I think that uh, he believes, and I think that he's wrong. He believes that uh, once um, Trump is back in the uh, in the White House, he would stop uh, support of Ukraine. Uh, and I personally think that that would be a mistake for for the United States because because Ukraine is the is the ally, is a very important country, is a truly democratic nation that doesn't see itself to be to be part of part of Russia and I I think that that Putin is wrong uh, in in his perception of uh, uh, American position towards Ukraine I'm impressed with Zelensky are you yeah absolutely 
All right, great. Hey, pick up Mikhail Zeiger's book. He's a Russian journalist, a brave guy, author of a new book, War and Punishment, Putin, Zelensky, and the Path to Russia's Invasion of Ukraine. Mikhail, you're also known as a badass in war. <laughs> so I appreciate you bringing that here. Thank you. Thank, All right. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. Listen to the show ad free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.